Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. But where is, but what if you go to a little bold spot? Oh, I see. Yeah. All right, all right. Oh, <laughs> So you're supposed to say no, he no. He just bent his head towards me, profiting his head. And then <laughs> when I say, oh, I see the thing you mean to show me, he d- he just my head, disdains me. My head moved 1%. You're like, whoa, there you go. <laughs> Helped you, mum. Hello, everybody. It's Homo Sapiens. Hi, I'm Alan Cumming. I'm not actually here. I'm Christopher Sweeney, and I am actually here. <laughs> uh, and we are here together because you were overlapping. Overlapped to prove we're here. Oh, okay. overlap, overlapping, 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 you see. But what I mean is, I'm not actually doing this interview. Chris did it on his own. Oh, I see what see you're what I mean? saying. Yes, with, the, with the, with the uh, mayor of London since 2016. I don't know why I was, I was busy. And I'm so bummed because I think he's absolutely charming yes. and easy on the eye, frankly. He's very attractive. Mm-hmm. It's Sadiq Khan. Are you taking Propecia? Yeah. It Are not... you losing your hair? It's not really working. Is it not? Well, I keep forgetting to take it, which isn't... Well, it. that might be it. I'm also... I'm totally considering having a hair transplant. Though. Shut the front door. Yeah, I totally do. I totally do. Why? Because I really like my hair. Well, and I, d- I just quite like to keep it. Wouldn't it wouldn't be your hair, would it, if it was a transplant? Hey? It wouldn't be your hair if it was a transplant. We're in separate oh, no, rooms they just, right now, we should point out to the listeners. We what? We what? We're in separate rooms right now. <laughs> we are in separate <laughs> rooms. It's kind of like we're both in like loo cubicles. And like, you know when you talk when you're on the loo and you're like... Talking about anyway, here. I'm thinking about leaving my husband. I'm, I'm not thinking about leaving my husband. That's a complete joke. Not that he listens to this podcast, so we'll never know. A hair transplant, by the way, is not from anyone else's hair. It's from the back of your neck. I mean, I don't know what to say to that. I'm, I didn't think you would be one of those people. Well, do you know what I think about it? What? I just want to be, I want to be honest about things I'm feeling vain about. You know what I mean? Honest about things you're feeling what about? Vain about. You want to be honest about that. As in, it's like, listen, I, mean, I, think it's, I think it's weird if you do something. I don't think it's weird. It would be weird for me to do something like that and not tell people. Oh, I'm like, gosh, yes. What am I, I scared of? No, I, I uh, admire that. You know, Grant, my husband, has a bald spot. Does he? Uh, but he's very tall. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's got, he's got, yeah, he's, he's, losing, he's been losing his hair for decades. Uh, and he's very tall, so you don't see it that often. But sometimes in pictures, you see a picture, you see, he'll, when we look at the picture, he'll go, Gosh, it almost looks as I have a bald spot in that picture <laughs> every single time. <laughs> but um, you know what? His 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 mum and dad once bought him for Christmas Propecia. Really? Yeah, they bought him and his brother Propecia. And he thought, what? And he said, "Is this for me or for you?" Oh wow! Snap! Wow! And no then his brother I... took it, and it helped a wee bit, but he's still got a bald spot. 
Yeah, I mean, if I remember to take it, it would probably help. What are the byproducts or the by the, the symptoms? It can make your sexual libido go away. Well, I mean, what do you want? Do you want to happened. like have hair, or do you want to be able to get it up? Completely. Yeah. Do I want to be? Well, no, but it hasn't. That hasn't affected me. Well, that's. But it can. Get to take it. Maybe it would if you. Because I'm it. too busy having sex. <laughs> <laughs> remember that stuff called uh, what was it called? You got it in biscuits. And it meant that the biscuits wouldn't didn't have any calories and everything. It was called. Um, oh, like. Uh, not, and uh, what was it called? It was, and I remember I did that. You know that movie Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Love that movie. Uh, you may have heard of it, viewers. <laughs> uh, well, when when I shot that in Los Angeles in about what ninety six or something, uh, it was the the height of these biscuits and this and this ingredient. I can't remember what it's called. Would make and and so. Uh, Girls in films were just all over it because it meant you could just chow down cookies and not put on weight. And so I remember like Mira and Lisa, they'd be going, oh yes, we're coming, we're just coming to the set. <laughs> biscuits. Alestra, it was called. And I remember one of the times I saw on the packet and on the packet it said, may cause anal leakage. And wow. I thought, what is worth that? Wow. Well, What is worth a few that? Th- a few things I can think of. That's <laughs> sad. <laughs> but like from a biscuit? <laughs> Uh, I mean, got, sometimes you got to get it where you can. Well, <laughs> I was just shocked by that. Hobnobs, hobnobs might cause anal leakage. Yeah, no, that's that's that was a whole They're period. We should say hobnobs do not cause anal leakage. I, I'm Alan Cumming, and I don't think hobnobs cause anal leakage. Always got the eye on a sponsorship deal. Yeah, you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a full um, Anyway, what's this got to do with our guest this week? Well, in some ways, um, <laughs> do you think the mayor of London has ever had anal leakage? Listen, we've all we've all been had scrapes. I don't know. I don't think so. Do you know what? Funnily enough, we didn't get onto that <laughs> because being a hard a hard hitting cultural mm. um, highbrow podcast that Homo yes. Sapiens is zeitgeisty. We talked mainly about him being propositioned on Clapham Common. Really, I wasn't in this one. I hope everybody knows. Uh, I'm Alan Cumming. I'm the co-host of this one. But why was I not in it? Because you weren't available on the dates that... Um, I was far too busy somewhere. You Well, you were available, and then unfortunately then you weren't. And Sadiq Khan, because he's running the country, couldn't move the dates. But <laughs> London, like, he's running London. Now that's where we get the London-centric problems, and that's why people want to become independent. Thank well, you. Well, this is exactly why we didn't invite Alan along. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but his office were very sad that you weren't there, because they were all super fans, including Sadiq. Oh, was he? I forgot to say that to you ah. before. He loves you. Bless um, him. Anyway, what did you think of Sadiq? Um, well, listen, I love Sadiq because he has been a fan and supporter of the podcast from the word go. So How would you know? Because um, he invited us to his pride reception at City Hall a couple of years ago. That's nice. And he came over and said, I think what you are doing with your podcast is absolutely amazing. And he's listened to it. He had listened to lots of episodes. And what we're talking about is <clears throat> a lot of things that are... He represents, along with Amy LeMay, who set up Ducky, yes. or runs Ducky, I don't know if she ever set <clears> it up. I think she still does. And, uh, I went to Ducky last week. I know, I want to talk to you more about that. Oh, okay. And um, uh, But she, uh, you know, he is about trying to keep London have a semblance of what it was, which was a place for people on the margins to find each other, yeah. and not just luxury glass flats. Yeah. And the, the queer nightlife scene in London um, it's very much a part of that. It's very much part of that, and it's disappearing. And so we spoke a lot about that. And I think that he talked about the idea of being different and arriving in the melting pot that is London. And he said a really interesting thing to me, which is we were just chatting away, and I said, oh, you know, um, 
you know, if you come to London as anyone, uh, that's an LGBT person or it's a, you know, a person who's come, moved from India or whatever, uh, you know, you could assimilate. And he said, no, 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 I want to stop you there. I don't like the word assimilate mm. because it's not about becoming like everyone else there. <laughs> it's about creating London as a space where no matter what you are, you are welcome yes. in your full and total self. And I was like, yeah, I, I was like, ah. I felt like I got schooled. And Good. I was, I was pleased by that. I like that. That's what I think about New York, mm. that I think that for a lot of people, they don't, New York's not for them. But for a certain type of person, New York is, because, because everybody is different than everybody belongs. Mm -hmm. Do you see what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. And I think when, when you, if you felt different than you can, you've come from a place, when you get to New York, you think, oh gosh, I'm here. I've, I've, I feel comfortable because there's so many differences. Oh, we should so talk a bit about why he's an icon. Yes, um, why is he? Why is he an icon? Well, I think he's an icon, particularly for the queer community, because he is, uh, you know, he's a Muslim man running London, which mm -hmm. is the first time that's happened. Mm. He has got so behind the queer community. He really pushes pride. I don't think you should say behind. <laughs> any, any which way they want it and that's why he's open-minded <laughs> sometimes he's in the front sometimes in the front looking back he did say he was verse reaching a hand <laughs> and um, yeah he, he leads the Pride March every year yes yes he's um, you know London is an open city for everybody and that has been totally led by him and I, I said to him <clears> it's <throat> so important for people to see you know people in positions of power like him saying this is all open and everybody's welcome. Yes. Because that, re <clears throat> that rhetoric is not flying around all the time. Yeah, I know. And we talked a lot about diversity within the Muslim community, for example, and how we can try and broaden that. And uh, he's fascinating about that kind of stuff. So I can't wait to hear this. I know. Well, And I'm actually on the show. Isn't it funny? You don't normally people hear people saying... Hello, welcome to the show I'm co-hosting, and I can't, I can't wait to hear what you're about to hear. I know, well, that's... Um, it's because I wasn't there. The beauty of Homo sapiens, isn't it? It's just yes. so fucking haphazard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, one of the hosts does have some agony uncle questions. Oh, good. Agony good. uncles! <laughs> now, this first agony uncles question is, is quite good. Okay, it's cool. saucy, but it's actually, I think, an interesting question. Brilliant. It comes from N, mm -hmm. who is a man. Mm -hmm. What big means really big, and what small is really small? It's interesting, isn't it? Well, I don't know. I don't understand it. Well, I think what he's talking about is... I sounded like Sandy Togsvig then, didn't I? He <laughs> did a bit. Yes. I don't understand it. <laughs> um, what I think he's talking about is within the male... Queer, uh, gay and queer community right? where size, well just in life in general, size is a very important thing, people talk about it all the time, size of penis oh right, yeah, don't yeah, you think? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. and okay. I think this we seem to value in our society bigger penises. It's a thing. Yeah. It's not just it's not a gay thing. It's a it's a it's a life thing. The, the phallus size. is seen, the totem pole. Do you know what I mean? Big buildings. Yeah. You know, uh Donald Trump wanted to have the biggest building in, in um uh New York City, the tallest mm -hmm. building. It's obviously overcompensating for his uh I imagine horribly ugly and small penis. Well, I hope, I hope never to find out. Oh, my God. I don't think he's seen it for many years either with that no. big belly. But um, the thing is that what... 
what 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 is that? What is what is what is big and what isn't big and what is small and what isn't small? It's an interesting sort of thing to talk about because, you know, uh, I guess it's it's like um, it's like in America where they don't have um, working class. They call the working class people middle class. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. So they don't. They have middle class and then and then which is really working class, and yes. then they don't know what to call it. Then it's just kind of you know rich people. So I just think it's all about, you know what I mean? I think actually it's about what satisfies you as, as, as I think you've got to love your penis. Yeah. And, and it's, but also people don't talk about it. I think people always try and sort of pretend they have a massive penis when they, yeah, of course everyone and it's just a massive penis because it's like saying you've got a, uh, you know, you, you, you've got a, you've got a pretty dog as loud as choose my sweater mm. but you know you don't say oh i've got an ugly dog do you every dog's yeah. cute i've got a cute dog even if it's an ugly mm. dog it's cute it's the same thing with your penis you always sort of of course you're going to look on the bright side because it's such an important part of how we define ourselves in yeah. the world yeah and some people have massive ones some people have tiny ones yeah I, ju I think what is interesting actually in our world that we have today where people have access to so much mm. Uh, information and you know everything is niche -y. we can see programs on television about whatever we like and we can access the internet or whatever to find sexual partners of every fetish that we like and I think actually what is really great is that that the penis the dominance of the large penis of course is still there is not um, absolute anymore and it's kind of got nothing to do with real life either and I no and and well I think it does because it's really about the patriarchy right but I think when the, when something's really big, it's like, ow, get that out of me. Yeah. And when something's really small, it's like, are you in yet? <laughs> there yeah. we are. That's the answer to that yeah. question. Okay. Thank you very much. Over Good. to you, Christopher. Have you got a person? I've got one, um, uh, a little bit more of a life question, I suppose. Mm -hmm. but, you know, we're a broad church here. So we will not only talk about the size of penises, but also uh, Dee has asked us, uh, uh, Dee is a woman, uh, what inspires you to carry on when you get knocked down? Um, I feel you're very well positioned to answer this sort well, of thing because you're very resourceful. It's because I, well, you know what it is, is that I think when you get knocked down, it's because of what other people have said about you or things haven't gone so well, or but mostly about other people's um, opinions and actions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think what inspires me to keep going is, is self-belief. That yeah. I think... You know, like like for example, reviews for in the in, for for work that you do in newspapers and things. I think if you believe the good ones, you have to believe the bad ones too. Mm -hmm. What's the most important thing is to know what you think about it. Yes, and that's what that's how I a great barometer. Work. And so I think in terms of getting up again after getting a dent like that is to actually think. Well, you know, there there, there is another uh, alternative reality where this wouldn't happen, but I would uh, I would have triumphed. Yes. And you have to think that's that's a possibility in all my life. So that I'm going to go forward. And, and also, maybe you don't need to triumph or fail. Maybe you just need to have a nice time and just think you're doing okay. Yeah, and Matt Haig, uh, the writer who wrote... Um, 19, no, what's it called? Uh, Weekend? No, 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 that's Andrew Haig. Uh, oh. No, Matt Haig, he wrote a book, um, Reasons to Stay Alive or Reasons to Be Cheerful. Hey, that's your podcast. Part three. He wrote Reasons to Stay Alive. <clears throat> um, is uh, He says you know you have to remember that this feeling won't be forever right exactly great feeling does not last forever terrible feelings do not last forever and cancel continue yeah and you uh you've got to stick it out bravo so, should we do one more should we do one more? i've got quite a funny one okay it's not really a question but it's have you visited sweden if not will you do it in the future <laughs> <laughs> have you uh 
Do you know what's terrible is I don't know. You don't know if you've visited I Sweden? I don't know if I've been to Sweden. We, uh, I, when my brother was 50, I took him to Sweden to the Ice Hotel oh. at the very top of Sweden. And it was absolutely magical. And you spend a night inside the ice hotel. It's like a, it's like a big, huge, beautiful sculpture made of ice. Yeah. And you spend one night in it, and and you, and you run. You put your clothes in, and then you into this little locker room. And then you go in and you run along in your wellies because you want to have you want to have not much clothes because you want to have your body warmth to keep you warm underneath this thing. And you actually are on a bed of ice. It's got sort of animal skins on top of it. And, oh, wow. like and it's this, and then they bring you little, some kind of berry juice in the morning. I was going to say dingleberry, but that's that thing people say about things stuck to your bum, isn't it? Oh, I know that's a winnet, isn't it? Is it? Well, but, but, but something berry. It's a kind of like a red berry drink that they have. Cranberry? No, it's like cranberry, but it's not. Well, Maybe some Swedish people will write in and tell us what I'm trying to say. Um, and 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 the thing I find most amazing about it was the sound. Like you know when it snows, there's a funny sound. Everything like when there's a, a blanket of snow. It's deadened, but yes. it's sort of. We it's sort of dulled, but also really uh, you can hear for miles. Mm. Uh, well, imagine being inside an ice cube. <laughs> you know what I mean? Being yes. inside this whole building made of ice. I had this sort of amazing, dead but calming. Oh wow! Well, maybe dead is calming, but you know what I mean. I loved it. So I have been to Sweden, and I've been to a bit, but I, I actually really want Sweden is on my list. I want to go to more. Well, we'd gladly uh, come back when if invited. Yeah, I think it's time to talk to Sadiq, our Mayor of London, uh, Queen of Clapham Common. Uh, here it is, Alan. <laughs> Great. I'm looking forward to this. Oh, good. We have so many listeners who are big fans of yours. Good. And um, do, I, do I live in London? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> They're no good to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you represent a lot to our listeners, and you know, I, I was thinking about that, and I think one of the things I wanted to ask you. You know, people who do incredible stuff, who are activists, who, who get involved in what is wrong and what is right in this world, where did that start for you? So, so my, my, my family stories, we, my, my grandparents migrated from India to Pakistan because in partition in 47, if you were a Muslim in India, mm. you went to Pakistan where the Muslims were. And if you were a Hindu or a Sikh, you basically went from what was then Pakistan to India. And so they were, they were, they were migrants mm. uh, and they'd seen discrimination on the basis of uh, religion. My parents, uh, my dad came to the UK. He first went to Australia, hated it because of discrimination right. and, and uh, he just didn't like it. Came to London, loved London. But my mum and dad, my dad used to tell me a story, he's passed away now, where when he first came here, of course Londoners were great to him, but there were still signs up which said no blacks, no Irish, no dogs. And by blacks, they meant a person of color. Mm. And when I was growing up, I mean, you know, we often, we lived on a council estate. Um, uh, we, we did face discrimination, racism, the P word, mm. people like me, the N word for my mates who are uh, African-Caribbean descent, the Y word for Jewish mates. And so from a young age, we knew what it felt like to be the other and to be treated differently because of being the other, for things that I couldn't control, I can't control the color of my skin. Mm. Um, uh, and you know, and I, and I practice my faith and later on self-discrimination because of my uh, faith. And so I always had empathy, sympathy, but also I'd walked in the shoes of the underdog, somebody who'd faced discrimination, you know, and it's, uh, and it's difficult to explain to somebody who's not had hate against them because of who they are, what it's like 
Um, and so not only do you and I have empathy, but we've actually walked in the shoes of people who are treated differently because of things outside our control, who we are, mm. who we love. Mm -hmm. We can't control that, right? And so from an early age, we knew it was right, it was wrong. And so, you know, that's, and all, all, you know, all of us, you know, but for the grace of God, we could have, you know, not been born in the greatest seat in the world and on and on. And so from a young age, we knew the difference between right and wrong to the extent where if there was a mate who has been treated badly um, because of, you know, something outside of his or her control, you would stand shoulder to shoulder with them and get into a fight. I mean, we'd got into fights all the time when we were younger, all the time. Mm. Um, and it's just part of who we are. Uh, and so I then became a lawyer, mm. did human rights law, but also a campaigner. And one of the things that upsets me is, is people picking and choosing which things they get involved in because of their prejudice. I'll give you an example. Mm. So I was a big campaigner uh, around uh, uh, anti-racism, because in those days, race was a big issue, color of your skin. But then I saw some people who were anti-racist campaigners not feeling as strongly about discrimination on the basis of your religion or your sexual orientation or your disability or age. And you thought, hold on, you can't pick and choose. You can't, on a Monday, be an anti-racist campaigner. On a Tuesday, feel powerfully about gender equality. On Wednesday, feel strongly about Islamophobia. But on Thursday, uh, not campaign against homophobia. Mm. You know, you've got to be, you know, and so, and a lot of time was spent coalition building and stuff. So, you know, the jobs I've done from, you know, uh, being a human rights lawyer to being an MP to now being the mayor, I've been lucky that I've had a position where I can do something about it. So when I was a lawyer, I took on cases of discrimination, I did lots of campaigning mm. when I was an MP. I was very proud uh, to vote in favour of same-sex marriage. And did, did your parents instil that in you? Because sometimes I hear anecdotally, you know, stories of saying that sometimes people just want to assimilate and almost not take on the difference. Like, were they saying to you, you've got to stick up? Because you know, it's really important. I'm really pleased you used the word assimilate. I distinguish assimilation from integration. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. So if you assimilate, you take on everything in the majorities, in the, in the culture norms of the majority, and you're no longer who you are. Right, yeah. So if you were assimilating, you won't be a member of the LGBTQ plus community because you're a minority, mm. but you integrate, which means you can stay who you are, mm. but have things in common with others. So we, we were very much encouraged to integrate. So have mates right. who are different to you, but don't forget where you've come from, who you are, your ethnicity and your mm. religion. So I'm a, I'm a real passionate advocate of integration, not assimilation. Mm. And when you're a minority, Chris, it's really important you don't assimilate because you, you stop being who you are. You integrate, of course you do, Yes. Um, uh, and for all intended purposes, we do integrate, right? Yeah. Uh, and so they instilled the sense of integration. You have mates from different backgrounds. You respect others, um, you know, and, and the golden thread, and this, this is my argument with religion, and I'm a very proud Muslim who practice my faith. When I voted for same-sex marriage, I had very angry Muslims, very angry Jewish people, very angry Christians. Mm. And I said, hold on a sec, the golden thread that runs through all these great religions is treat others how you'd like to be treated, mm -hmm. right? And and you've suffered discrimination on the basis of your religion his, throughout history. Are you honestly saying that it's acceptable to treat somebody less favorably because of their sexual orientation? Mm. And uh, they're difficult discussions to have. Yes. Um, but we've got to have them. And how do you do, how do you have those discussions without it being uh, inflammatory, I suppose? I think you've got to be respectful. I think mm. one of the things that, uh, 
has happened over the recent past is the, um, the animus, the, the nastiness, the fact that you can't have public discourse yeah. without turning aggressive and nasty and personal. Um, and, and there need to be safe spaces to have this discussion. And I think, you know, there's nothing wrong. The word prejudice uh, comes from uh, two words, prejudging. Mm -hmm. And so I accept, right, there are people in our country who for very good reasons have never met a Muslim and but they may see a depiction, a depiction of people who are Muslims in the media, angry man with a beard, you know, shouting his head off, a terrorist claiming to justify his actions because of their faith. Mm. And they may prejudge all Muslims as being terrorists, right? Mm -hmm. Not because they're nasty people, but because they've prejudged. Mm. And so having a conversation with them or me, me meeting them, mm. uh, breaking bread with them or just talking to them, that can you know, bust the myths and also educate mm. them, not in a patronising uh, way. I'll tell you, uh, tell you, um, you know, I, I remember uh, knocking on doors uh, in the recent past, meeting in London, older people open the door really nice and they say things like, um, can I tell you this, it's really nice to have a coloured mayor. Now, on the one hand, you might say, that's outrageous, coloured is a word we don't use anymore, mm. you know, it's offensive, it's racist. But that older person just hasn't realised that time's moved on mm. and it's now not acceptable to use mm. coloured as a word. And so you've got to just understand that some people have prejudged and have prejudices, not because of nastiness, but mm. because, so have a conversation. And the same goes with people who may be homophobic. Sometimes it's, they're just nasty, horrible people mm. and they need to be you know, you know, uh, dealt with. Sometimes it's because it's fear of the unknown, mm. it's, they've prejudged. And, uh, and so one of the things that I've tried to do is, is to use my role as a, as a politician to educate, I don't mean in a patronising way, mm. but to educate people and to bust those myths. So it matters that I'm the Mayor of London who leads the Pride uh, Parade. It mm. really matters because, A, I'm an ally, mm. but what it does is people who may not be quite sure about this LGBTQ plus stuff, hold on a sec, I know that guy is the Mayor, mm. he's a Muslim, and he's very happy to be seen with and be leading mm. that parade. Hold on a sec, what, what does that mean? Uh, and he addresses Trafalgar Square with pride. Hold on a sec. And so, mm. you know, I'm not pretending that I can change the world, but you can, the ripples of change can be felt in a positive yeah, way. It's, it's, really, it's really important. And it's, it applies, it applies. And, the, and, and this is why it's, it's really important because imagine if you're young, mm. if you're growing up, it, it's tempting to just assimilate because that's the norm, you'll mm. be accepted. But you're not being true to yourself. Mm. It's possible to be true to yourself and integrate. I'm not saying lock yourself away, you know, and whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a member of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, whether you're a different color skin, whether you've got, uh, integrate, of course, yeah. um, but be who you are. But that, that is about community, isn't it? It's about having, being able to find other people who are like you, who you can join with, I suppose. And this is why I'm a big advocate of safe spaces. So mm. uh, in the 10 years before I became mayor, the number of uh, LGBTQ plus venues reduced by like 60 odd percent yeah. in London. They're important because they give you a chance to be yourself in a safe environment. Mm. And that may give you the confidence 
to be yourself in an environment where there's others. Mm. That's a really important space. So we've actually made a conscious effort to mm. A, stop that slide, and mm. we've stopped it. But now we've seen an uptick in mm. venues because they are so important. Because yeah. And the same applies, by the way, there are some, uh, uh, you know, there are some times where women need a safe space with just other women. Mm. Uh, and so we're funding, you know, refugees for those women who suffer domestic abuse or domestic violence and other safe spaces for women. Or it could be a safe space because you're a minority in a different context. And, mm. and we've got to realise that actually, if you're in the majority, your experiences are different mm. to if you're in a minority. And in my view, you judge how civilised a society is by how we treat minorities, how we treat yeah. people who are vulnerable. And you know what breaks my heart? What breaks my heart is, if you look at the evidence, uh, and you all know this, Chris, but the numbers of young people who are LGBTQ+, plus who self-harm, mm. who try and kill themselves, who suffer discrimination, who suffer prejudice, who suffer hate crime, you've got to give people a safe space to be comfortable in who they are, mm. and that will then give them the confidence to be themselves in, you know, in mainstream society. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, and you know, because obviously we've got Amy LeMay, who's the night czar. Yeah. Who? Well, we're going to call when I when I when I thought about this idea of uh, you know somebody to be in charge of you know nightlife in London, we're going to call her the nightmare. <laughs> but but it was arguable that the previous mayor was one of those, and so we, we called her a night czar. But Amy LeMay's yeah, she and she got a really important job. Yeah. Uh, not because of by the way her sexuality, she got the job right. because she was the best person for the job. And one of the things I've tried to do as a mayor is have a diverse team around me. Because mm. my argument is, for people who say to me, oh, there aren't any talented, uh, you know, gay or lesbian women, gay men or lesbian, there aren't any talented uh, women, there aren't any talented ethnic minorities, I say, you're mixed with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. There are talented mm. people, and uh, you just yeah. got to mix in the right circles. And Amy's been brilliant. She's, so my first experience with Amy was when she ran Ducky, or oh, was yeah, part yeah, of Ducky, yeah, and that, yeah, yeah. that was a real... She's still doing it, yeah. Yeah, and it was a real emancipation for me and a lot of gay men in London because it was it was just different you know to what the other gay clubs offered and um, but what, what the anecdotal thing among the LGBTQ plus community is that like the, all these places were shutting down because they've been bought by expensive flats but is that true like what was the research yes and no so it it's, it's really interesting so a number of reasons why it's happened one is if you're a uh, land owner mm. you can actually make more money turning into luxury flats is true. Mm. If you um, are having to pay, if your business rates are going up, it's a problem. If you're, if you're just mm. making ends meet, it could be because you've not got noise insulation, so there's a luxury flat bill next door, they complain about the noise. Right. And, but the, all these problems are, uh, none of them are insurmountable. So for example, we can change the planning laws to protect the heritage. 
-hmm. So you can't turn a pub into luxury flats unless mm -hmm. you've got a very, very, very good reason. You can say to somebody who wants to build flats next to a, 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 a venue that has live music, you've got to insulate your premises to make sure the noise mm -hmm. doesn't inconvenience you. You can have uh, carrots so business rates don't go up for some of these venues. So there are things we've been doing, and mm -hmm. one of the things we've done is we've set up in City Hall the first ever culture at risk office. And what the culture at risk office right. does is, if you're a live music venue, if you're a pub, if you're an LGBT plus uh, uh, Q venue, uh, and you're at risk, get in touch with us and we'll see what we can do to try and help you stay open. Because it's a really important part of life having mm. places to enjoy itself. And how, you know, um, you can't turn back time, but the one thing that people avoid, when we're talking about these venues, I'm thinking of Ducky, which was in Vauxhall, I'm thinking of uh, the Joiners Arms, which is in Hackney. These are places that were traditionally underdeveloped and then have become destinations. And the thing about London that is happening is that there's this saying that, like, you know, any area that's up and coming, like the artists and the gays go first. Correct. That's, and, a, that, that's true. All the evidence is, and we examine this around the world. Yeah. Uh, look at Chicago, look at New York, mm. look at San Francisco, look at London, and then they get priced out. Yeah. Right? So gentrification means different things, different peoples, mm. right? So what we've done now, again, there's things we can do. Look, I don't believe there's this invisible hand of the market that improves things by itself or that mm -hmm. a laissez-faire type things work. We've got to interfere with the market to make it work. So what can we mm. do? A number of things. We I pinched an idea from San Francisco, a thing called the Creative Land Trust. And what we do now is we're, we are buying up buildings, help, helping somebody buy a building, and the the quid pro quo is you've got to make sure in perpetuity mm -hmm. it's given uh, as a, a sub-market rent to people to be that area. It could be mm -hmm. artists, it could be cultural events, um, because what we can't afford to do is, um, you know, the, the gays and the artists go in, uh, to use your, your, your phrase, yes. they help an area become generated. And I qualify as well that it's not just the gays, but no, 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 the you, queer yeah, community. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but there's, there's examples around the world, and the reason why is because at the time it's cheap, at the mm. time it's often seen as a, a no-go area, mm. uh, it's affordable, and then the regeneration happens because of the hub of activity created by the cultural world, and and, and, mm. and then you get priced out. Mm. And so and there are examples in London from Shoreditch to other parts of London where it's happened, and so Even we're now. using planning yeah. to try and stop that happening, but also making sure that we... <coughs> one of, what's, what, what's one of the best things about London is our diversity, not simply mm. diversity in terms of ethnicity, but socio-economic mix, uh, sexuality, uh, age, and we can't afford to lose that. There are some cities around the world where you've got almost like, you know, silos. And so we've got to interfere with the market, we as in City Hall and others, to mm. regulate and to have rules that keep that diversity. Mm. And did you, when, um, when you were growing up, did you ever encounter the the queer nightlife of London yourself? Like, did you ever go to those places? Yeah, well, I, I live there, Clapham. Uh, and so right. there's, there's good and bad side of this. I remember, so Clapham Common, uh, one of my best friends lived near there, and we'd often, just go for a walk um, near his home and... Oh, uh, you're in trouble then. You're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble because, inverted commas, gay bashing. And there'd be people who'd go out oh, and right. to beat up gay people. Uh, but also, I mean, I, I, I'm not uh, embarrassed, but I was often chatting up, which is not, you know, it's quite nice for your ego. Yeah. Um, but the gay bashing was a serious... Really? Personal oh, comment. Sorry, I didn't comment. Know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it was, you know, and so I experienced both, you know, what it's like, there's great um, nightlife for you know people who are from the LGBTQ plus community, you know, gay young men in, in South London when I was growing up. So I was always Cute familiar, 
Yeah, that exactly was right. Exactly right. And so the good news was I was I've been blessed. I've always been surrounded by people from different backgrounds, mm. different and that's that means when you grow up you have you have a sense of not just tolerance but respect. And mm. this is the this is the other important thing is People say, isn't it great? People are tolerated. Mm. No, you don't. nobody wants to be tolerated. You, you tolerate a toothache. Yeah, you want to yeah. be respected and celebrated and embraced. And you can't, you can't beat growing up with people uh, from a different background. It could mm. be because you're gay, you're lesbian. It could be because you're a different religion. It could be because you're rich and I'm not. You learn so much. And mm. so growing up in South London was a great experience for me the best thing that could happen to me because I had mates who were gay mm. uh, I went to you know enjoyed nightlife um, uh, you know it's really good you know um, but also I saw the flip side which mm. is you know inverted commas gay bashing literally people being beaten up um, because of who they were and I could relate to that because I'm mm. you know I've been called the P word mm. you know the colour of my skin and so automatically there's a there's a I know what it's like, brother. You know, mm. listen. You know, we've got something in common, mm. and that's you. You asked the question earlier earlier on about what you know what what motivates you. Some of that was the solidarity. We're in this together, whether you like it or not, Chris. Mm. We've got so much more in common. Mm. Uh, you know, in relation to being minorities, in relation to being prejudged, in relation to but for the grace of God, in some parts of the world, us being you know seen as dangerous and mm. you know because of who we are, and and so that's why I always say to people who. Well, from similar backgrounds to me, do you not realise that actually there's a really good coalition here that we should be working on and stuff, mm. you know, and, 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 and that's what I try to do. Yeah, and, and two things to, to mention about nightlife that I think are really important and I, is that one is that I don't think we have enough spaces that, aren't, that don't revolve around alcohol for the LGBT community to meet because often London represents something where people will travel because I, d I don't fit in at home, so I'm going to go to London and that's where I'll find my people. And actually, the, the immediate early social glue can be drinking and it can be drugs. And what happens is that people can fall into... I'm trying to say this without judgment, but it's like you can get involved in something that was purely because you needed to meet other people yeah. like you. And I wondered if there's there's a way we can try and tackle that in a, in a, in a positive way when you're talking yeah. about keeping licenses for buildings and stuff. Is there places we can that isn't nightlife? Yeah, you know? and this, this is one of the things that Amy's working on as, as the nights are in relation to, there's this, I mean, you, you know, you, you sort of, you know, anybody who of my age remembers the Bronski Beat song in relation mm. to small town boy and all the rest of coming to London and stuff. And the reason why is because if you're in a small town and you're gay or member of the LGBTQ plus community, it's really difficult. So you come to London, big mm. lights, big city, and you're, you can be lost and you're not, you know, pointing that, but it can't just be, you know, you, you, that you've got to be into music or drink to have a safe space and stuff. Exactly. And so we're trying to work on what we can do. And mm. by the way, it's not just an issue for uh, the LGBTQ plus communities, for other communities as well. 100%. How you find a safe space that isn't just about loud music and uh, mm. and drinking. And you're right. And so we are working on some things mm. we can do. We obviously can't, you know, um, you know, we can't. We, we've got to persuade people that there's a there's, there's a business case to do this. There mm. is a, there's um, invert comes a market, mm. and so we are working on this. And, and Amy's speaking to a number of people to do this. Stuff. And you mentioned intersectionality and how London is so represents that is one of the things we all love about London. And another thing that I'd mentioned earlier is that often LGBT rights can be quickly translated to gay rights, <clears throat> and that's incorrect. And are we doing enough to, to represent those people in London who are intersectional, like 
a queer trans Muslim yeah. and you know how can we do that how can we do it better because when we're on the back foot on nightlife full stop how are we then yeah no, that's a great question let, let me let me answer that using my own experience mm. so not all Muslims are one homogenous blob mm. within Islam there is so much diversity you can get a uh, a Muslim who's Sunni whose country of origin is Sudan who's very different from a Muslim who's Shia whose country of origin is Iran. He's very different mm. from a Muslim who may be a woman whose country of origin is Australia. Mm. Right? Similarly, in the LGBTQ plus community, there's so much diversity. Mm. And that's why, A, as somebody who's not from that community, it's not for me to define what's you know, the, 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 you know, the, the norm in that, in that diverse mm. and wonderful community, but it's for people from that community to themselves identifies who they want to be. And so, I, you know, as the mayor, not only do I fully support Pride in London, I'm really proud of being the first mayor to support, you know, UK Black Pride. Mm. Also to support, you know, Trans Pride. And so, we've got to realise that, you know, just like life is wonderfully diverse and wonderfully different, you know, the LGBTQ plus community is also wonderfully diverse and wonderfully different. Mm. And my one anxiety is, within all communities, there's intra-discrimination, mm-hmm. intra-prejudice, and we just got to be a bit conscious of that. And you know, if, and you know, and so that's a challenge. That's yeah. a challenge for all communities. But again, you should have a sense of hope. Don't get depressed about the fact there is. Oh my God, it's so depressing. This this intra-prejudice within the LGBTQ plus community. Yeah, it's bad, but it, all communities have that. Mm-hmm. And so don't kick yourself too much that it's you know really bad and stuff. And but there, you know it's a challenge. But you know the intersectionality is, is actually what makes London so exciting that yeah. we are so diverse. And I want us to be a beacon. Yeah, it's like once you get through the, I feel like when you're just describing all the different ways that you can be a Muslim is that it. it until you can get through that, then you can start talking about detail, you know, and that's what I feel is sort of happening with the nightlife thing, is that we need to, once you can start getting that back up and running, which I know you've done good work on, then you can start having more lights, nights like there's Club Kali, which is a brilliant night, but there's not a lot of them, you know, and it's just about how we can continue to but represent. Also, also, I mean, again, look, who am I, right, to say you're a Muslim, you're not, you're bad. Who am I? Yeah, no. right. And similarly, who are you? I say this in a rhetorical yeah. manner. Who are you to say, well, you're not worthy of being a part of the LGBTQ community because of this, mm-hmm. whereas you are? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not for us to decide. No, but there was a discussion online the other day about the concept of what queer is, and um, someone was posting all the people's answers, and actually queer isn't ne- what people were saying and it's not my decision to judge what queer is uh is that it isn't actually about being gay or straight or all, any of those things it's about st- sticking up for what's right mm. you know and it's a way of life and then within that you can be gay straight bisexual trans you know and beyond and i think that actually your sensibility is very queer which is let's let's sort this out you know, and let's stay, what's going on here? That's not right. I'm going to fight for it. Mm. You know, rather than just seeing what's not right and thinking, well, if I don't do anything, it kind of doesn't affect me. Mm. You know, it's like investing time in how to actually make it better. Absolutely. That is queerness. Yeah, yeah. You've been anointed. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> just tell me a little bit about LGBT homelessness in London, because I know it's a, it's a big thing. It's a really big thing. I mean, actually, if you look at uh, people sleeping rough, uh, uh, a significant number are from the LGBTQ plus community. Actually, often it's heartbreaking to say this: some of the shelters um, and provision aren't the most friendly for 
the LGBTQ plus community. Right. What we did in London is um, we've set up the UK's first uh, specific uh, LGBTQ plus shelter. And what we, we had a fire station actually in, in Islington. It wasn't being uh, used, been mm. empty for a while. And we said, hold on a sec, let's, let's you know, kill two birds. A, make use of this fire station, uh, even for a short period. Um, but B, give bespoke provision for those sleeping rough, those who are homeless from the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. And it's been a fantastic success. It's been running now for, for a year. And it's a safe space for those who, you know, may have fallen on hard times, maybe sleeping rough, maybe homeless, who are from that community to go. And also there's other help around there to help you get a stepping stone out of being rough, a rough sleeper. And is it reductive for me to say that often this issue is facing uh, LGBTQ plus people because they are ostracised from their family? Or oh, yeah, is yeah. It... oh, listen, no, no, no. I mean, when you, some of the stories that, that I heard and that you hear, um, you know, they could be not from London, they've left their home because parents didn't accept them. Um, they've had to leave the town because it's a small town mm. and, uh, you know, being different in that town is not good. Okay. You then come to London, it could be because you're from a different part of the world and, and you know, again, it's not being reductive uh, or me making, uh, you know, uh, being stereotypes, but quite a few often are from minority faiths and minority communities mm. and, you know, there is, I'm afraid, a lot of stigma from some communities. And so, where'd you go? Mm. Uh, but also, you know, I've got to accept that there are some places uh, for rough sleepers that aren't the most conducive to uh, some parts of the LGBTQ plus community. So it's the UK's first shelter, I'm really proud. Mm. They're doing good stuff, but there needs to be more, you know, safe spaces for people who you know, have challenges. Yeah, So and it, it, is there not as well art LGBTQIA outside? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Exactly right. So there's there's great charities. Uh, we've and one of the things one of the things about London is you don't realise all the great work taking place. But how do you connect them up? Mm. And so what we're doing is mm. is joining up. Uh, and so arts is really therapeutically really beneficial. Right. But also it's a great stepping stone out. There's also sports we can do. There's also working with the job centre to get you back on your feet. There's also mm ways out and we've got to have an exit out so the good news is we're not simply giving you somewhere to stay for the night mm. it's somewhere to stay for uh, as long as you need it but also we're trying to help an exit out from there so you can you know get a job mm. be trained up get your dignity back a lot of this is dignity people need dignity and, mm. and, and there are self-esteem issues as well do you draw the distinction between homelessness and rough sleeping yeah so there's yeah. there's a legal definition so uh, right. you, you can be homeless um uh, because you're in overcrowded accommodation you're sofa surfing mm. a rough sleeper is somebody who's out on the streets basically and this, this is a very rough definition so uh, a lot of uh people from the lgbt lgbtq plus community are homeless um, uh, and a sizable portion of that then become rough sleepers, which means mm. you know the temperatures in, in London in, in the winter are, are sub-zero. Imagine sleeping out in the rough there, but also you end up sofa surfing from one mate to another mate, and at the end, of the, and, and sometimes their patient you know runs out. Mm. And so there is a legal definition which is which I won't bore you with, but yeah. So we, we use the phrase rough sleeping, and, and rough sleeping before I became mayor doubled in London from about four thousand. 20,000, we've managed to you know, stabilise it, we're hoping to bring it down. Mm. And lots of reasons for that. Welfare benefit changes didn't help. Uh, you know, the lack of affordable housing didn't help. But with the LGBTQ plus community, there are particular issues with families not accepting them, um, mm. have an argument with mum or dad, being kicked out. Mm. But also if you're, if you're from a small town, it can be challenging. Mm. Got it. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was that you've written this letter to schools supporting them and 
how we've interviewed Andrew Moffat on our podcast, who is at Parkfield Community School, and but he has done the No Outsiders campaign, Ooh. which has been incredible. And like, how can we find the tools to ensure that everyone is respectful in, in schools and from a young age? Yeah, look, firstly, it's just a fact of life that families and relationships come in different shapes and sizes, right? It's just a fact of life. Now, the issue is, how do we make sure young people growing up understand and are aware of that? A, because it deals with the issue of prejudging and prejudice. Mm. But B, it makes you realise there's nothing wrong with you if that's how you are. Because mm. I mean, you and I must have both met, I definitely have, people who are really conflicted because they think they're doing something wrong mm. or they think their parents are wrong because they're in a same-sex relationship or whatever. And it's really important that in a safe space, in an age-appropriate manner, they're explained that relationships come in different shapes and sizes, but also uh, it helps them with self-esteem, with confidence. And I'm unclear what the objection is to you know, children being taught about healthy relationships. That includes, that includes sexual relationships, by the mm. way, healthy relationships. And, and I think the, the improvement and the progress is phenomenal because it's now about relationships. Mm. You, know, you mentioned the issue about you know, sex and drink and stuff, but it's much more than that. If you've seen the curriculum, you've seen what it's about. Mm. It's about simply saying, you know what? You know, we live in a pluralistic society. We live in a society where people are different and that's fine. And that's okay. Mm. And I think, you know, I was lucky because a lot of my education took place outside the classroom um, because I was lucky with the mates I was with at school and, and all the rest of it and the community I lived in and stuff. But there are some times where you're not fortunate enough to live in a diverse community where you can meet people who are a bit different to you. And that's why school provides a really good safe space to be taught that. And what upsets me is how this has been politicised by people with their own agenda. And by the way, some of those people objecting outside that school in Birmingham aren't even from that area, aren't even parents, right? They're using this as an opportunity, uh, you know, to protest or mm. whatever, to whip up uh, uh, people up into a frenzy. And what it's doing is, it's dividing communities, right? It's dividing people who are from the LGBTQ plus community against others. It's, you imagine if you're a child, you imagine if you're a child mm. going to school and, uh, you know, you've got, you know, two mums or two dads and there are people protesting outside your school mm. because of your parents. Mm. Right? How, how does that make you feel? But it's not even, you know, it's even more wider than that. It's that if you think that you're gay, well, I mean, Parkfield goes up to what age, I'm not sure. But, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be that you're radically different in terms of visibility. It's that it's a, it's a seed time. Oh, but you're told, but you're being told subliminally yes. what you're doing is wrong. Yes, that's what I mean. As yeah, in yeah. That's what I think is really destructive, yeah. is that if it's sort of going, if it's brewing in your head and then you're seeing those protests, yeah. you know, and, and I think that that's why it has to happen in the school. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not a parent, but I will be. And when that happens, I can't do anything about what's going on within those yeah. walls. You well, know? The, good, the good news, well, I'll say there, there is good news, which is, we're talking about one or two schools mm, yes. in the grand scheme of things. We're talking about one part of uh, Birmingham. The reason why I wrote the, wrote the letter, mm. I wanted to write, look, I've got, a, I've got a leadership role, right? I'm not in charge of education in schools, uh, but I wrote to every school in London, um, uh, you know, just to make them confident that it's okay. Mm. This thing is okay. And you sh we should be teaching our children to be all-rounded, 
good kids. Um, and just like science is important, history is important, English is important, maths is important, life skills are important. And this is a mm. life skill, Chris. You know, being, you know, respecting others is important. Respecting people who are different is important. Feeling okay with who you are is important. Mm. And uh, you're right, I can't think of a better place to be taught that than in the school. Because not everyone's got a, you know, a mum and a dad or parents or big brother, big sister who can advise them and mm. give them wise counsel um, in a school that should be a safe space where you can do that. Yeah. But listen, thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate pleasure, you giving man. us your time. My pleasure. What a pleasure. Did we match up to Lenny? Uh, well, there was no food. Uh, she had oh, great yeah, she food. You, yeah. Well, she broke my fast. It was during Ramadan. And what yes. was lovely was, and what was really lovely was, I mean, obviously her hair, her, she's a Jewish woman. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for a Muslim guy to, have my, to break my fast in her home was lovely. And that's, that's, that's that. you know, it's just, you know, and so, and, Je, and they're, they're both, they're wonderful and stuff. And I'm, I'm a Jesse Weir fan anyway. So yes. I'd been to, I've been to many of her concerts and got her up and stuff and stuff. So I am a fan of her music, but her mum's a great cook. So yeah. you, you, you've not got the music, Chris, you've not got the food. But other than that, you're okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have my singing voice <laughs> today. From where I'm sitting, that was informative, beautiful, inspiring. Absolutely fascinating, mm. actually. What a lovely man. Yes, exactly. I really like him. Hey, now listen, if you've got something to say about that interview, please write to us on hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Hello at homosapienspodcast.com. I think that'd be fascinating. I mean, I, mean, I think it's um, uh, interesting as well because, you know, people might not, uh, if you live in you know London, he he's obviously a very present figure in your mm-hmm. life. But if you don't live in London, I think that'd be a really interesting uh, thing to hear about, about what people think of him. And would you like him to be your mayor? Mm-hmm. And what uh, what from what he said, what was surprising, and uh, and what you disagreed with as well. We love a dis- we love people to write in to complain. Oh yes, life is not a bowl of cherries, no matter if no, the song no. said so. So yes, write to us at hello at homosapienspodcast dot com. And if you want to buy one of the delicious uh, t shirts or sweatshirts that Christopher's actually modelling right now, you can go to alancoming dot com <laughs> forward slash shop. Or <laughs> www.everpress.com forward slash homosapiens. So much easier. I mean, but you, know, you can go to my one and it will take you to that. Do you remember that? Do you remember pass. that commercial, um, Milky Way commercial? The red car and the blue car had a race. No. Oh. You mean the Milky Bars are on me? No. Oh, that's this the was later. Bar. The Milky Way or a Milky Bar? Milky Way. Oh yeah, sorry, the Milky Bar. Red is car and the blue car had a race. No, don't know. Well, I was thinking we could have. We can see which website sells more. And then at the end of the series, um, we can tell our listeners. <laughs> I think I could win. Alan's one. like, if we simply look at my traffic yeah, on my website. So if we're going to talk it about it's social like, media traffic. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the fucking Apple. Don't mean to, to get back to the old penis link thing, but <laughs> could be an allegory here. <laughs> really, yeah. Stick a zero on it, Chris. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we've all had enough, haven't we? Thanks for I'm listening. I'm exhausted. Me too. But well uh, it was lovely. Bravo for doing that on your own. Oh, thank was you. Was it exhausting? Oh. You didn't have any time to sort of let me babble on for a while. You no, called you, was, you, you. It was pure, unadulterated joy. But of course I missed you. Showbiz. Showbiz. But here we are. Sandwiching Sadiq's uh, interview. Dreams <laughs> do come true. <laughs> Bye. Bye, everybody. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl. Let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Powered by Spirit Studios.